everybody. My name is Nkozi and welcome to the Two Sides of a Coin podcast. This week we're going to be talking about two movies that have recently come out. The first movie is going to be the based on a true story about the GameStop short squeeze, which is called Dumb Money. The second movie is going to be about the latest in the Expendables franchise in Expendables 4. So, let's get to it. When it comes to movies that are based on a true story, I've let my thoughts on those kinds of movies be very well known. Based on a true story effectively means that it's going to follow a general outline of the true story, but the details and how necessarily something got to the point that it did aren't necessarily covered in the greatest of depictions or accurately. If you're looking for supreme accuracy, then you're looking for a documentary, not something based on a true story, which really is meant to be an entertaining retelling of a situation that at its core happened not a beat for beat remake of what actually happened in real life now i find some of the most interesting based on a true story movies at least in my opinion are those that are based around wall street i don't know why that is i think for me Those kind of financial movies scratch an itch for me in regards to the cleverness of what had to happen and how realistic it comes across, at least to myself. And I mean, we're talking about, you know, Wolf of Wall Street. I love that movie, even though most people forget who the hero in that movie is because it's not Jordan Belfort it's the FBI agent and also the big short which I love that movie as well so I look at this movie dumb money which I knew immediately this was going to be about a certain situation that happened in 2021 which was the GameStop short squeeze And with my inclination towards movies that have to deal with Wall Street, that have to deal with bankers and everything like that, and how interesting I found those movies in the past, I found myself somewhat hopeful for dumb money. As in, hey, this is hopefully going to be a good movie. So let's talk about it a little bit to see if what I found was correct or if I was sadly mistaken. So the first thing you find out in the movie Dumb Money is they tell you what the title means when they talk about dumb money. And really, as they say several times, the title for Dumb Money is the name that Wall Street gives to retail slash individual investors basically 
somebody who does not have a broker or is a part of a brokerage firm. That's the money they give those people because they say it's their money. It's dumb money. And I'm more than happy to take it. And they say that a couple times in the movie. And this movie is mainly put around a couple of characters. Some of them are going to be, you know, CEOs, hedge fund managers. But the main character that we talk about, the one that the audience is supposed to connect with and consider the hero in this, is Paul Dano's character, whose name is Keith Gill. Now, Keith Gill, he is a guy who is an analyst working for a smaller mortgage firm. He's a guy who, in his spare time, he decides, you know what, I'm going to do content creation, which, hey, I'm also in that place. So I was connecting with that. And he decides he's like, I'm going to talk about what I know, which is finances. And what I know about finances, I'm going to talk about a stock that really interests me on a very popular at the time uh, Reddit community. If you don't know, Reddit is commonly known as the bulletin board of the Internet. It is very well known. Also, it has little communities called subreddits and Wall Street Bets is one of those communities. And in that, he posts in there about a stock called GameStop. And the big thing about GameStop is simple. And that is GameStop is a stock that he has very much pushed and said, hey, this is a stock that I think is interesting. I'm not going to tell you what to invest, but here are the reasons why I think it's interesting here is the reason why I think it's undervalued. And honestly, I think this stock and this company are not going to do nearly as badly as some of the bigger firms think it's going to do. And throughout this, you see that the way that he presents his information, he truly is connecting with everyone. He's connecting with the public. He's connecting with all of the people there so a lot of people start buying in they start really really hammering home and saying hey i want to get that gamestop i want to get all that money or even on a more deeper philosophical level they're talking about hey i just want to stick it to big hedge funds. I want to affect the big guys in that firm, in that sphere, and hurt them because if we buy in and if a short squeeze does happen, they are going to lose a lot of money. So I'm there's parts of it, there's several different angles of it. Also, what you're seeing is you're seeing how these big hedge funds are also reacting. You're seeing how the millionaires are working in this. 
sphere, you're also seeing how the billionaires are working in this sphere. So it gives you many different angles. It gives you the content creator who's just sharing his thoughts. It gives you the millionaires and the billionaires who are managing a lot of money. And it also gives you several individuals throughout this movie who are those individual investors. We're talking about one person who's a GameStop employee who is investing because, hey, he thinks this guy knows what he's talking about. We're talking about a nurse who she believes in him and she's saying, you know what? I believe in this guy because I watch his YouTube stuff. A couple of college students as well. So we see this movie from all angles and how over the course of a year and some change, how this stock and everything else affects the individual's that are involved in this company and are involved in GameStop, as well as some of the events that happened around the very well-known short squeeze and other situations. So the first thing that I want to talk about is I believe a movie lives and dies off the storytelling and the cast. If those two things don't work, the movie doesn't work. Now, thankfully, the cast and the story are actually engaging. Paul Dano as Keith Gill, really, he surprised me. Not because Paul Dano isn't a good actor. Paul Dano is a very, very good actor. And the thing that's surprising about him is that he is able to be such a chameleon in roles that honestly I forget how he really talks at times. Like I remember when this short squeeze happened, so I saw a little bit of Keith Gill the person, and I completely forgot that Paul Dano looks nothing like Keith Gill. So when Paul Dano was like, hey, I'm Keith Gill, he had the mannerisms down. Obviously, he probably spent some time with Keith Gill and everything like that. So he really disappears into this role. Shailene Woodley plays his wife. She also really helps. She has a pretty good uh, Boston accent. I'm not a master of them, but it sounded like she had a slight Boston accent. I could tell that it was going in and out at times, but I thought it was a pretty good effort. And of course, Shailene Woodley is a really good actress. So when she has to step up, she steps up. So that goes without saying. Also, really, from the top to bottom, I think this movie had strong acting, you know, Pete Davidson played his brother of Keith Gill, Kevin Gill. He was annoying. That's what the character was supposed to be. So you need somebody to be someone who's annoying. Pete Davidson is your guy. And Pete Davidson is going to pull that off. 
Whenever I've seen him play an annoying character, he annoys the hell out of me. So that is mission accomplished on that regard. Also, I loved the people who were playing millionaires and billionaires, you know, talking about Vincent D'Onofrio, Nick Offerman, Seth Rogen, you know, also uh, Sebastian Stan. All those guys came across as to a man. They all came across as people who, depending on your wealth, really determined how in sync or out of sync you were with regular society. And I, I truly mean that. So if you look at it, let's say uh, Rushi Kota and uh, Sebastian Stan, they played the heads of Robin Hood. And they were more in tune with the quote-unquote common man than the next layer up, which was Seth Rogen's character who played uh, Gabe Plotkin. And Gabe Plotkin came across as way more grounded than Nick Offerman or Vincent D'Onofrio's character, who were billionaires. Like, each one of those guys, they came across as, hey, this guy is out of touch. Then you look down and you saw people who were being close to billionaires, but they weren't really billionaires because they were billionaires based off valuation. They were more in touch with the common man. And, you know, it just went up and up and up. So, it... I love the fact that they, through their performance and through how the characters came off, they portrayed that at a certain point, wealth starts to detach you from the people around you and from the people who are below you. It's a common thing that you see all the time. And if you don't work at it and if you don't really try and stay in touch, then you're just going to be left behind. So... I loved that part of their performance. And also, whenever they were on screen, you hated them. You hated them from beginning to end. And that's exactly what they needed to be. I also liked the cast that came from the third group, which was you had the millionaires and billionaires, the people on the ends of Wall Street. You had Paul Dano, who was the content creator really the guy who was pseudo spearheading this movement and you also had the third group which was the people who were listening to him so you had america ferrera you had anthony ramos you had uh mathal herald and uh talia Ryder. they all came in and they were hey we are in much more precarious situations than anybody and it showed how they were willing to take a shot and take a chance and how they were connecting with Keith Gill and their thought process which I thought the movie did a good job of so from an acting standpoint I thought this movie really was good from a script writing standpoint I thought this movie definitely hit all the beats. I thought it explained everything in a way that 
you don't need to know what Reddit is or what Robin Hood is or anything that happened in this movie for you to understand what was going on at any one point in this movie, which honestly I give a tip of the hat to. Let's keep the happy train going. I also liked the cinematography. I thought it worked. It helped to portray the right tone for each and every single character. I liked how it shifted based off of which character you were with and also it shifted on the standing. So let's say when you got to people who were of a higher economic standing, the light that would come through that you would see them in would just get progressively and progressively brighter. Whereas the worse your standings were, you were seeing people in just dingy hallway lighting with halogens just like you would see anyone else. So I really liked how they used brightness and openness to display wealth as well. So I thought the cinematography did a good job in that. Now that doesn't mean this movie does everything perfectly. I thought that leaning towards the bad side, number one, while I appreciate they definitely, you know, pushed into the Reddit communities and how they interacted, it did get annoying. And I know that was the point of it. I know that was the intention of it. I'm just saying I was annoyed by it. I understood it. Big props to them for showing like, hey, there's good and there's bad. It was still very annoying. What I also didn't like was the musical choices. I understood where a lot of the music came from. Some of it was when, hey, this song was popular during this point. So people are really going to be listening to it. So I understood it. It just didn't land for me. I think this is probably just on me, to be honest. You know, sometimes you have to check yourself and think, is this the movie's problem or is this my problem? So I think this is more my problem, but I can't take away the fact that it did annoy me. The third thing that really did irk me was... While this movie did a really good job of portraying the good guys and the bad guys, the thesis at the end of the movie, I do not think they proved in a reasonable way. So at the end of the movie, of course, one of the big thesis statements that they put up there, and this isn't really a spoiler for the movie, they said the big thesis they put up there is that now Wall Street will no longer ignore social media and the retail investor. The issue is not, in my opinion, that Wall Street was ignoring those investors. The issue was that, hey, Wall Street underestimated them, which honestly makes a lot of sense why they would underestimate them. It also made a lot of sense why 
they would pick GameStop considering the current market in games. So I agree with everything the movie said. I'm not necessarily sure they did enough in the movie to show that the movement that was put out there was driven because of smart investments. And instead, I feel like they showed how petty people can get and how so many people feel detached from the American dream, which I thought would have been a great place to push this towards. It didn't, but I thought they could have hammed and pushed that into the movie a little bit more. But like I said, that's that's just me. I didn't like it. I understand. I'm not the creators of this work. So at the end, this is a very, I'm just going to put it out. This is a very self-serving movie. It's a good movie, but it's self-serving. It is to push that, hey, this was a win for the common man when I honestly don't think this pushed for the common man nearly as much as it was just an egg on the face of Wall Street, which it most definitely was. So in my mind, I gave this a home-cooked meal, like a high home-cooked meal at first, and I'm going to change it to a fine dining experience because I do think it's well told. I do think the acting is excellent from top to bottom. I could not point to you a bad performance in this movie. The script is solid. It makes sense every single move that is made. I have no questions about what was done, especially comparing it to my knowledge of the situation. I just think the movie could have done a much better job of really pushing forward and saying, hey, this happened. This also happened because while I don't think they miss anything, I do think they definitely push some things to the side that would have interfered with the messaging, like how many hedge funds were actually betting against the short sellers as well. So, like I said, I did like this movie. This is a fine dining experience, but I want to hear from you guys if you liked it, if you didn't like it, what you think in the comments, and I'll be happy to hear from you guys. One of the most interesting series to really look at that was started in the past 20 years is the Expendable series. This series was pretty interesting in that it was a action movie, obviously, but it was an ensemble action movie that was mostly made up of stars who were older, who people knew from doing action movies, and this was the first time that they were all being put into the same movie. It started in 2010. This was a really interesting time, especially in Sylvester Stallone's life, because this was four years after he'd already done Rocky Balboa. So... This was considered kind of his 
renaissance of really restarting his action career and reshaping it into not just being about Rambo, but also about being this older action star that knows he's older that can still kick a lot of butt. Now, the Expendable series has really taken off. It's had, this is the fourth movie in the Expendable franchise. Also, the thing that's been put in there that I've been interested in is that the Expendables franchise, remember, it took place four years after Rocky Balboa. It also took place five years before the first Creed movie, the movie that really helped cement his Rocky figure in, it cemented it in the true lexicon of its place in terms of Hollywood history. It brought that character to a different part that Rocky Balboa wasn't able to do as good as that movie was. So Expendables 4, or as the title also reads, Expend 4 Bulls, is at a really interesting point. This franchise has been going on for 13 years. It's had four movies. Does this franchise still need to go on, number one? And also, does Sylvester Stallone even need this franchise anymore, considering that his place in Hollywood is secured beyond any thought that we would have had 15 years prior? So let's jump into the Expendables 4, a.k.a. Expend 4 Bulls, and see how that goes. And if it shows, hey, this franchise is just as good, or this franchise really does need to end and it needs to be expended immediately. So the first thing you'll note about Expendables is this is a franchise where it really does lean on action stars that are both well-known and maybe not so well-known. The plot in an Expendables movie doesn't necessarily matter. It's just a vehicle for the amount of action that you get in place. Also, a big thing about Expendables is for the most part, they're R-rated movies. So they're going to show you a lot of blood, a lot of gore, they're going to get up close and personal with the people who die. So that way you know, hey, they are dead. Because the Expendables franchise isn't necessarily kid-friendly. It's meant to be a franchise for adults, especially for people who are fans of a lot of these older action heroes. So Expendables 4 pretty much has your generic plot. You have, you know, you have Aiko Uas as uh, Ramat. He plays a mercenary and he's the main antagonist. He's out to get nuclear detonators for some weird reason. And he works for a bad guy who's in the shadows, who nobody knows who he is. And from what you know, Sylvester Stallone's character has history with this character, this mystery shadow in the background. 
and he wants to take him down and the rest of the expendables all join in to help and stop this new enemy so i i wish i could go more into an expendables plot because hey each movie deserves to have its plot given but it's an expendables movie i i don't care enough to talk about the plot to be honest what i'm going to talk about is some of the good before i really dive into the meat of this and I guess my number one good is that it's good to see people working, honestly. Um, All the actors in this movie are trying. They are doing the best they can. And you know what? They all have moments where they look sufficiently cool, which is what an Expendables movie is supposed to do. Doesn't matter who they are. Everyone has a moment where they do something very very cool where you say oh that was cool because that is what expendables are all about making the action heroes look cool while they're doing something cool so big check on that mark also i need to give a medium shout out to uh jason statham you know his character has been in this franchise since the very beginning he plays lee christmas he's the second in command In this movie, he steps up and takes on a bigger role. And, you know, I actually liked the role that he took on. It seemed grounded. It made sense. He had to go through some things in this movie. Well, kind of. But, hey, big ups to Jason Statham. He is a very diligent actor and also from what i understood he did a lot of the filming in this movie so some of that action was with his touches and with his eye for detail and you know what i appreciated that another thing i need to give is the new entries into this franchise for the most part do well megan fox is a member of the Expendables in this one and Megan Fox had a couple of moments where she stood out you had a 50 cent Curtis Jackson he was a member of the Expendables he was okay Tony Jaa was in this movie as well welcome back Tony Jaa I haven't seen him in anything for a long time so it's nice that he was in this movie because I remember him from Ong Bak you also had uh, Levi Tran was in this movie, and Levi Tran had some really good moments, along with Andy Garcia, who plays, you know, a CIA agent. Andy Garcia is always going to bring it, so I was actually okay with that. So yeah, I'm all happy with everything about that. So where do I have a problem? Everywhere else. This movie was all over the place. But let's start with some of my biggest gripes. Number one, this movie had incredibly cheap CGI. I mean, so cheap, the blood splatter was not even all over the place. It was like selective blood splatter. And 
when you go see an Expendables movie, you want the gore to be there. So I would have been happier if instead of them going for fake CGI blood everywhere, if they just went for a lot more realistic blood. They went for a lot more, you know, practical effects. They would have explosions and the explosions would look like a mini nuclear bomb went off instead of a single grenade. We don't necessarily need all of that. You could just have more practical effects if you need to save money. Or maybe CGI has gotten to the point where it is the best way to save money and including practical effects is not the necessarily the way to go all the time. I just wish they would have because I think they would have had a better movie overall if they went more practical and less CGI. Second problem I had with this movie was a bad plot. This is the worst plot in any Expendables movie. And the other Expendable movies don't have great plots. They're vehicles for the action. That's obvious. This is just bad. This is bad storytelling. Also, it had a couple of moments where it would completely sent me off into like a spiraling void of nonsense. Like at one point, in order to distract the enemy, they had a boombox playing music. That's fine. You're thinking there's nothing wrong with that. It was playing 50 Cent music. 50 Cent, who is a member of the Expendables, was playing his own music in the movie. Now, I understand that, hey, this guy isn't 50 Cent. He's Easy Day. He's not the rapper. But if you're going to do that, at least acknowledge that, hey, that guy looks a little bit like the rapper. You could pull that off. It's been done in much better movies. The number one movie that pops to my mind about that is Ocean's 12, where they had Julia Roberts' character play Julia Roberts, a character that was real in that world, and saying, hey, she looks like Julia Roberts, kind of, so we're going to lean into that. That was a funny gag, but you have to set it up beforehand. You can't just throw it out there and not acknowledge it. In every movie where you have somebody who is famous, which all the actors are famous, you don't acknowledge, hey, this person looks like this person just offhand. Because it always throws a weird moment where you're saying, are you referencing yourself? So... Is that person real in this universe? Do you not want this person to look like that? Does 50 Cent look different? Does he look exactly like 50 Cent? And if he does, why has nobody even mentioned that he looks like 50 Cent? Also, where did they get a diskette of 50 Cent's music? You can see where it starts to just go and travel, and that's the problem. There are certain things you don't do not because they are bad necessarily. You don't do them because they just 
they invite more questions than they are worth. And this movie does it simply because they can. Also, I was willing to give this movie a pass for most of it because in the beginning of the movie, I thought they did something very clever. I'm not going to say what it is because the movie heavily relies on that for the rest of the movie until the very end where they invalidate the very premise. You don't do that. If you're going to do that, do it earlier. Also, it just seems tacky in a movie called The Expendables. The one thing The Expendables has always been able to hang its hat on, and this is something that I've actually appreciated from The Expendables than anything else. They have never pulled the gag that they did in this movie. I thought, hey, they are actually doing this. That means that this is permanent. This is real because they've never pulled this gag in any of the other movies. So you know what? If you're going to do it, do it. I'm happy with you doing it, which added a sense of if this person can have this happen to them, any of the expendables can have it happen to them. It added a sense of drama that the rest of the movie could not convey just from that single act. So when this character popped back up, immediately I said, what the hell? And not that nice in the movie theater. I was livid because I was giving this movie the benefit of a doubt based off of what it showed me. And then by pulling that away, took away all the goodwill with it, ripped it out of my hands and just threw it on the ground so that way I could just stomp on it. There is a reason that certain things aren't done and you should honor certain conventions in terms of script writing. I don't know who made the decision. I think that they failed utterly. Because it leaves a bad taste in the person who watches the movie's mouth. If you're going to do something, stick with it. This series has always set up that it does stick with what it does. And the fact that it didn't do it this one time just makes it even worse. I, I want to say what it is, but I don't want to ruin it for anyone else. Because I know there will be people who like this movie. I don't just going to say that right now at the end of it I don't the expendables used to be a sort of nod to like the suicide squad or the dirty dozen or the magnificent seven where hey these people are expendable so if they die that's it which was fine but they just didn't die very much which was also fine but if you are in a series where you talk about you're expendable, but you can't expend anyone, that is a problem. So for Expendables 4, aka Expend 4 Bulls, it is a fast food. That ending took any goodwill I have. It ended on a bad note. Even the joke they tried to play at the end, I said, nope, I don't care about this. I was okay with you not doing it 
and you did it anyway. So that's on me for believing that you were better than this. But I want to hear from you guys. Did you enjoy the movie? Did you have fun with the twist that came in? Or were you as angry as I was when the twist came in? Let me know in the comments and we'll just go into our next review then. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode. If you want to reach out to me, you can find me in several places. You can contact me on Twitter at Two Sides Coin. You can find us on Instagram at Two Sides of a Coin. That's T-W-O-S-I-D-E-Z of a Coin, all one word. You can email us at Two Sides Podcast at gmail.com. And you can listen to the podcast on Podbean, on Spotify, and also on Apple Podcasts. So we hope to really hear from you guys. I love to hear and discuss anything you guys want to talk about. And we'll 